Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. This podcast is designed to give an overview of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, including all of the major sections. It's equally for somebody who's just reading the Bible for the first time as it is for somebody who's been reading the Bible for years and years. Each episode looks at a different book of the Bible or section of the Bible and gives an overview, asking What's the human story? What are some of the major issues? What are some of the landmines we encounter? Today we're going to look at the book of Joshua. It's the first book that we're looking at that wasn't written by Moses. It's the first book of the histories of the Old Testament. The first five books, the Pentateuch, the books of the law, they were written by Moses. And then Joshua begins the histories of the people of Israel. Tradition says that Joshua himself wrote the book until his death, and then at the point in the narrative uh, where he dies, then tradition says that the high priest Eleazar and Phinehas finished the narrative. This is a good opportunity for us to mention how we got what we would call the canon of the Hebrew Scripture. Canon is just the word we use for the accepted list of books, the canon of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Bible is not just one book. It's a collection of 66 books written by over 40 authors over a 1,500-year period. And how we got the canon of the Hebrew Scripture is different than how we got the canon of the New Testament. The uh, canon of the New Testament was established over a 300-year period, finally kind of codified it, 300 years later, not written 300 years after Jesus's death and resurrection. Oh my goodness. It's one of those things that you hear, you continue to hear people say, and, and, and it's so provably not true, but yet it just will not go away as one of these claims that gets put out there and you just kind of go, oh, it's not true. The Hebrew scripture, on the other hand, the original Christians just accepted what was the accepted canon of the Bible as Jesus' generation had it. What would have been the scripture that would have been accepted in synagogues all over the known world at the time? That's what they accepted in the original churches. And that came from a lot of things. It it came from what was accepted in tradition, uh, from the writings of the prophets, of Moses. Um, There were books that they considered, but they uh, rejected because they, they said, no, you know, we don't have any record of any community having this book uh, before like 100 years ago, so it can't be from a prophet from 500 years ago. Uh, there were other ones that they said, you know, hey, it's really good. Like, for example, the, the book of First and Second Maccabees, important book, historical book, uh, worth reading, worth knowing, but there was a time about a 400-year period of silence where the people recognized that God was not speaking to them through prophets like he had been. That's why when John the Baptist came on the scene, it was such a big deal in Israel because it was the first time in almost four centuries that they had had a prophet, a recognized prophet on the scene. And so they did not consider First and Second Maccabees to be scripture. History, yes, but not scripture. So that's why the church accepted uh, the Hebrew scripture as we have it. 
First um, and Second Maccabees was added later in in Catholic Bibles. Um, there was political reasons why, and I'm not going to get into it. But that's why we have what we have. It had to do uh, with what was in Jesus's uh, accepted in Jesus's day. Um, so, in the New Testament Scripture, how things got in tended to have to do with apostolic authority, uh, the apostles. And then somebody who was connected to them. So like in the Gospels, Matthew and uh, John, two of the you know, 12 disciples. Luke was connected to Paul. Mark was connected to Peter and Paul. Uh, James and Jude, two of the apostles, half-brothers of Jesus. Paul, one of the apostles called directly by Jesus. Uh, John and Peter, of course, two of the 12. So this is how we got uh, the, the canon in the New Testament had to do with apostolic authority. The canon in the Old Testament had to do uh, with what was accepted by the uh, people of Israel at the time of uh, the birth of the church. What's the book of Joshua all about? It is the history of the conquest of the promised land and the establishment of the nation of Israel. Uh, so, book of Exodus... God delivers the people out of their slavery in Egypt, takes them across the Red Sea, across the wilderness. They come just to the edge of the promised land, and then they sin, and they rebel against God. And as a consequence of their sin, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy just places them right at the edge. It's the end of the 40 years. They're ready to go in. Joshua is the story of them going into the promised land. It's a human story. Joshua is nothing but a human story. It's the story of, of belief and theology lived out. We can talk about faith versus fear. Joshua is faith versus fear. We can talk about obedience versus rebellion. Joshua is obedience versus rebellion. You know, be strong and courageous is this refrain repeated over and over again. It's easy to talk about in the abstract. Oh, we just got to be strong and courageous. Joshua had to live it and live it and live it. Uh, one of the, uh, you know, there's highlight stories in it, right? Like memorial stones. We talked about this a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning for uh, 9-11. You know, the, the idea of setting up memorials, teaching the next generation and future generations the things of God. Um, other highlights, of course, you know, um, the story of Jericho and how did they defeat their enemies? It wasn't through strength or might or human tactics. It was stepping out in faith and doing a foolish thing, just walking around the city praising God. Interesting, Joshua chapter 5. The people had not obeyed God, and they had not circumcised their sons following the covenant that God has established with his people. And it showed that each generation has to choose to follow God. Because that generation had not chose to follow God and his covenant the way that they were supposed to. A previous generation had, they had not. And that generation needed to make the choice for themselves. I will serve the Lord. Now, what are the landlines? The landmines in this book are, are uh, new for our generation. The landmines in Joshua might not have existed in previous generations, right? But... Previous generations might not have batted an eye. You might have read the book of Joshua and thought nothing odd. But imperialism and genocide, the book's all about it. 
whole cities and and peoples are 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 t- they're told wipe them out take over conquer now i think there's there's kind of two ways you can approach this right you can you can come at this and say oh the there's this evil angry god in the old testament and he's mean and he's different than jesus i don't think so read the bible not just revelation although definitely revelation read the new testament in the gospels we're going to get to matthew chapter 24 in a couple weeks on sunday morning first thessalonians talks about it first corinthians talks about it there is a, a there is a coming justice of god against a sinful world the the people that are being wiped out weren't good folks so this, this idea that there's this mean God in the Old Testament and this loving, peaceful God in the New Testament isn't, isn't a good reading of the Bible. There is a just and loving God who also has great justice and who is against a sinful and evil world. And so we can look back and say, in faith, I trust that God in his love and mercy was not acting wrongly. And I will not presume to tell God what to do. And at the same time, I can also be honest and say, you know what? The Israelites were sinful people too. So were there moments where God told them to do something and then maybe they didn't do it the way God told them to. And so what was supposed to be something um, quick and clean ended up being brutal and nasty, probably. What does the book clear up? Well, it, it really sets the stage for the rest of the, the narrative of the, the Hebrew scripture. Um, so many things that happen in the rest of the book Judges, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, the prophets all go back to Joshua. Things that they do and things that they don't do. Even things that happen in the Gospels can be linked back to Joshua. King Herod is an Edomite. They were one of the groups they were supposed to wipe out. They didn't. Um, uh, 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 Haman, who is uh, in, in the book of Esther, tries to wipe out all the Jews, the, the first attempt at a Holocaust. He was from one of the groups that they were supposed to wipe out. They didn't. These things come back to bite them. Groups that, that lead Israel into sin over and over again were from the groups that they were supposed to drive out from the land. Uh, so there are a whole bunch of things that get set up in the rest of the scripture that come back. Now, where is Jesus seen? Uh, there's a few things. First of all, there's a possible Christophany in chapter 5. A Christophany is the big theological word that we use for whenever somebody appears in the Old Testament who kind of looks a lot like it might be Jesus. Uh, this happens in the book of Genesis. Uh, God appears to Abraham, and Abraham talks with God, um, uh, and, and it's like, wait, He's talking with God in human form. Is that Jesus? Uh, it happens in Joshua chapter 5. Uh, it happens in uh, uh, the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, where all of a sudden, you know, the 
king looks in and he says, hey, we just threw three of them in, but now there's a fourth guy and he looks like the son of the living God. There are moments where a human appears who looks a lot like God in human flesh. And so people have said, hey, is this Jesus appearing outside of time? And so they have this big word called a Christophany. So Jesus could literally appear in the book, possibly. Um, Where else is Jesus seen? Salvation of Rahab and Jericho? Uh, That that whole story of faith, of the Gentiles coming to faith, uh, of salvation through faith and not of works. Oh man, Jesus is all through that story. Um, This whole thing about entering the promised land. You know, some people think, oh, you know, we enter the promised land, that's like when we die and go to heaven. But it's interesting for the Israelites, entering the promised land wasn't like dying and go to heaven. Entering the promised land was like this life now. And I think that that's kind of where I want to close with this, this idea of like, where is Jesus in the story? The promised land for them wasn't like some further date where they die and go to heaven. The promised land for them was going into the land and stepping into the life God had for them. And let me close with that idea. What if the promised land for us wasn't, oh, you know, someday we'll get to heaven and then God will, you know, do all the good stuff. What if for us, the promised land is living in the presence and the goodness of God right now? Yes, it'll be fully fulfilled in heaven. But what if right now the promised land is surrendering ourselves fully to Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, and letting God do his work in us now so that we can be useful to him and that we can do his work in our world? What if metaphorically we're driving out the sin in our lives? What if metaf- you know, metaphorically to this whole idea of Joshua, we're driving out the sin in our, our families and our homes, right? What if, what, what if we're, we're, we're saying, all right, the promised land is here and now in our home, in our neighborhood, in our community as best as we can do it. I was talking to somebody this week who was complaining about the problems going on in his community and all he was doing is complaining, complaining, complaining. I said, man, why don't you get in the battle and help? What if the promised land isn't heaven? What if the promised land is your home, your street, your school, your work, your world? Just a thought. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Starting Points. We try to release new episodes on Monday through our different platforms, both video and audio. Have a great week, and we'll see you again for another episode of the Starting Points podcast.